I am so excited to be partnering with Kind. You can take 15% off of a single purchase with the code Sandra when you visit kindsnacks.com through December 31st, 2020. They have so many items on their website. So if you visit kindsnacks.com, you can get either nut bar or a thin or a mini energy bar or a protein bar and get that 15% off of your single purchase. They are doing amazing things through their Kind Foundation. So I'm so excited to be partnering with them. Take advantage of that 15% off today uh, through December 31st, 2020, and enjoy. You're listening to Sweet Bites with Sandra with your host, Dr. Sandra Colton Medici. Follow on Instagram at Sweet Bites with Sandra and Dr. Sandra Colton Medici. You can also join our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Sweet Bites with Sandra. Have you ever heard of Audible? Well, I just started my free trial not too long ago, and it is awesome. My library now has The Meaning of Mariah Carey and Atomic Habits, An Easy and Proven Way to Build Good Habits and Break Bad Ones by James Clear. So my Audible is on point. I know that you can get an Audible trial as well. Just head over to www.audibletrial.com forward slash Sweet Bites with Sandra and check it out. You just never know what you're going to find. Um, They have a browsing section where you find bestsellers and new releases and everything under the sun. So I hope you enjoy it. Take a chance and try Audible today. I am an affiliate, but I believe in what they're doing. So um, take a chance and try Audible and let me know exactly what you're listening to, whether it's a podcast or an audiobook. There's so much to discover on Audible. So enjoy and let me know what you find. Hi, I'm Sandra, and I'd like to invite you to subscribe and listen to my new podcast, Sweet Pipes with Sandra. Satisfy your entrepreneurial sweet tooth in each episode full of digital business tips, inspiring interviews, asides from my entertainment career, and rewards to celebrate your sweet success. Find Sweet Bites with Sandra on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You have tuned in to the fourth episode of the Sweet Bites with Sandra podcast, and I'm your host, Dr. Sandra Colton Medici. I hope that you're having a great, great day. I am having a good one, and I hope that you stay with me through the entire episode because we have an interview with Torsten Roth, who is a celebrity and fashion photographer that is, you know, she's got a lot of stories and experience. So definitely make sure you make it through the entire episode for that. And we're just going to start it off right. I'm going to give you three tips that will expand your digital borders for your business. All right. My first tip in order to broaden your digital borders for your business is to survey your audience and make sure that you're actually hitting their needs. And once you actually survey them, make sure that you take into account what they've told you and then activate new e-service offerings into your business. The second tip is to not assume that everybody has the same technology. Sometimes we forget that just because we're on an iPad or I use Google Chrome extensions, that everybody uses that. Not everybody has the same technology around 
around the world. So just make sure that you're looking at how you're offering your services and what messaging and technology that you're using for people to access those services. And look at all of those in a broad vision to make sure that you aren't doing things that are too complicated because not everybody has the bandwidth or the Wi-Fi connection or the strength of signal. I mean, I've had some great cell phones, but I've had terrible cell phone service and I've only been able to use, you know, the Wi-Fi in McDonald's when I was in London or something like that. So just make sure that you are understanding your customers and what technology they are using because it's not all the same. It just really isn't. And so you want to make sure that everyone can access what you offer and make sure that it is not super complex because everyone can't access it the same way. The third tip is to meet them where they live and personalize your services. This is the way that you're going to tug at people's heartstrings, and that is personalize everything. Personalize it. If you're sending out an email, write dear and then the person's name. You know how many emails I've received that say, hi there, or hi friend, or have nothing at the top? That turns me off. And I used to send those. (laughs) So I totally get it. If you don't have their name, I'm so sorry, but try to figure out what their name is and personalize it so that they feel like they're being talked to directly from you. So just to recap those three things to broaden your digital borders is one, survey your audience. Make sure that you are hitting them where they need it the most and activating new e-services to make sure that you have those gaps covered. The second thing is understanding that your way of communicating and some of the things that you're offering may not actually be getting delivered to the people that you want them to because everyone has different technology and not everybody is using the same thing. The third is personalization. Make sure that you are personalizing everything that you do so that every one of your customers feels like you're talking directly to them. This is the holiday season, and I am so excited to bring you Course Sweetener, my online course program that takes your expertise and turns it into your very own online course. So go over to my website, www.sandracoltamedici.com, and take advantage of the 50% off price. Yes, I said it, 50% off from now until December 25th. Yes, Even on Christmas Day, if you are trying to find something for your loved one and you know that they have so much expertise that they just need to turn into an online course, this is the gift for them. Go over to my website, check it out, Course Sweetener, 50% off from now until December 25th. So let's take a call from one of our listeners. Hi, I'm Rachel from Salt Lake City, and I was wondering if you have any advice for me about when is the right time to leave a nine-to-five job to start working full-time on my business. I appreciate it. Take care. Rachel, that is a great question. When is the best time to leave your nine-to-five job and go after your dream? You know, a lot of people would say, just do it. That is good, but it doesn't always pay the bills. So I like to be realistic, but I also like to make sure that I give the right advice for everyone. I don't like people to be in a pinch 
because they left their nine to five job and they don't know how they're going to pay their bills. My advice for anyone who is thinking about leaving their nine to five job and going full force, full steam ahead on their side gig, side hustle, whatever it is that you're calling it, your passion job, and you want to go to live your passion, take stock of what you're doing right now, how much you are making and how much you need in order to pay those bills to get you by so that you're not left in a pinch. You want to make sure that you look at the benefits that you have now with whatever job you're doing and then look at how much it's going to cost in order to get similar benefits if you quit. Uh, So look into all of those things before you make that decision because you don't want to be out there in the cold, but you do want to be living your best life. I know that we, we all say that way too often. Live your best life. But do the research, do the analysis. I always say do the pros and cons of what it's going to take for you to leave that nine to five job. And if you can afford it, do it. If you are so close, stick with that nine to five job just a little bit longer and make a plan. Make a plan so that you're three to six months out. Say, okay, this is what I need in order to really say goodbye to this nine to five and hello (laughs) to my new normal, my new fabulousness, and then go out and make that happen. If you have a question that you would like answered on Sweet Bites with Sandra, the podcast, feel free to call 401-216-5059, leave a voicemail, and you too could be featured on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me, and I want to introduce to you a very, very talented individual, Torsten Roth. He is going to be giving us some insight into his background, and that has to do with photography, direction, creative direction, and art, because he's multi, multi-talented. multi So welcome. Thank you for joining me. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Thank you for the invitation talking to you. Yes. Um, I am so excited because there are so many things in your background that, you know, people can learn from and understand transition wise and just the amount of creativity that you've created in your career. Why don't we just start with where you were born? And I know that you've been in Germany, France and the United States. So kind of give me a little bit of a sneak peek into what your life was like growing up. All right. So I was born, grew up in Germany, in a town called Iserlohn, not far away from Dortmund, rural area, I started. I try to keep this all in a nutshell, I think, because we have a lot of things to talk about. I started with photography, or I started with Super 8, actually, with film. When I was like 12 years old, then I got into photography and basically took the decision when I was 14, 15, I want to become a professional photographer to the... Uh, My family was not really crazy about that. (laughs) So I went to a college in Bielefeld, which was then, and I think is still, one of the best photo film design colleges. was an off-branch of the Bauhaus movement. I had a very broad education where now I'm very thankful for, because like I also had to design furniture. I had to write fonts. So very broad, five years. Then I had my Francophile phase. So like when I was like 20, 22, I decided I want to live in Paris because at that time, all great photographers were in New York or in uh, in Paris. Mm-hmm. London was not yet on the map. So anyway, so after college right away, I, I moved to Paris and my first job there was to be an assistant, of course. I started to 
freelance assist for Condé Nast for for Vogue, mm -hmm. which was, I mean, tremendous, right? I mean, here I am from Germany, and there I work for for Vogue, and I get calls like, oh, "Are we shooting Jack Nicholson after tomorrow? Are you available?" And I work with Picasso's son, so it was very extreme. Peter Lindbergh, very famous photographer who died last year, introduced me to Steve Hyatt, who also died. They died within the same week. Became right. his first assistant. So I worked for the Crème de la Crème in Paris, basically, and then uh, later on, on the side, I shot famous jazz musicians. That's mm -hmm. a different story. But when I moved to New York, I that got accepted by Smithsonian. And I'm going to come back to that later on. Anyways, after 10 years, no, 12 years, I, I made, after 10 years, I made three months in, went to LA, met my future ex-wife. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we moved together, after 12 years in Paris, we moved together to New York. Mm -hmm. So I arrived in New York and... I tried to find work, right, as a photographer. And, you know, it's very competitive here. Yeah. So I had to work again for other people. But again, I got lucky. And one day I was running into Patrick DeMarchelier over in the Pier 59. And I talked to him. So I became one of his freelance assistants. And because I worked for him, I worked for a lot of people on every level. In hindsight, at that point, I was not really happy about because it was like a deja vu working for other people. But in hindsight, it was very lucky because it gave me a brilliant inside look into the New York photo film infrastructure, right? Mm -hmm. I worked on production sites, I did everything, location scouting, casting, da-da-da-da-da. Worked as a producer. And so then I started to shoot again and mainly fashion, advertising, and then... When was it? Like 2012, I did Joan Osborne's Grammy-nominated album, produced a video for them as well, had like two other jobs before that for them. And so, yeah, since then it's going, and now we are again in a total transformation, right? Mm -hmm. So that's in, in a nutshell. In a nutshell. In a nutshell, <laughs> in two minutes, you know? Right, and you've, you've done a fabulous job. Thank you. It's crazy that you've had so many wonderful experiences with so many people. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of people would die to have just one experience working with Joan Osborne or, or whomever, Patrick Dumas-Chalier. Like, what? So when you're thinking of the industry, uh -huh. you know, what do you think has been the biggest change since you started your career? Oh, the digital revolution. Absolutely. Digital revolution. Yeah, absolutely. So I, my timing, it was, it was not a decision. It just happened like that. So when I came to New York in 2002, that was the time when digital went really mainstream. There was a period of, let's say, three, four years where film was still there and we shot both. Or we would scan film and would do the post-production, of course, in digital. But what happened during that time, the industry tried to get to the people with the budgets. They want to sell you cameras. They want to sell computers. They want to sell you workflow. So they went through the people who work for the big dogs. Mm -hmm. And so I got a lot of knowledge just being at the right time and at the right place. Right. 
So 2005, I went totally digital and that triggered something else. I still want to shoot film. And so a friend of mine was a boxing writer. He introduced me to Gleason's gym, very famous uh, boxing gym. So I became a boxer through my photography. I had an exhibition and so I was doing things parallel. I always have this theme in my life that there is the mainstream thing, the commercial work, and then there are side projects. Well, so were you athletic before? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Doing- my whole life. I mean, <laughs> I, I just have to show off. Yes, I was. I, I grew up I grew up with soccer and track and field. I'm, I was always a runner. In Germany, we got like really a good exposure to, I mean, I played basketball in school, I played tennis and so on. And even now they, I mean, I get up at 3.30 in the morning because we have to book our sessions in the in the boxing gym. So it opens at 5. So I get up at 3.30 and at 4.30 I'm on my bike or I run over. It's four miles and uh, do my session. And then I'm back at 7 here, my home office, yes. So. And you're still in the States, right? I'm in New York City, yes. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and how, how is New York City right now? Because I, I know that we're in the middle of a pandemic and it was hit very hard. Yeah. I saw some videos that you posted. Oh, yeah. So I the last six months before the shutdown, I think the shutdown was around March 15th or 16th. I was totally socially distanced already because I had spent seven months in my spare time, full-time basically, in my dark room to print a limited edition of my Smithsonian jazz portfolio. Mm-hmm. So I, I did the last shot on March, or the last print, which one image is a portfolio of 55 images of famous jazz musicians that I shot back in the 90s. There's uh, 12 prints per, per image, so it takes a lot of time, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I came out of the dark room March 7th, I was like totally tired and I was aware that I wanted to rebrand my entire business, new websites. Mm-hmm. So the pandemic for me personally, it was a perfect timing because I had a time out. I hired photo editor from a company called Wonderful Machine. And during six, seven weeks, we went through all my material and I built three new websites and she helped me with the selection and with the strategy. At the same time, I wanted to do something. So long, long time ago, I grew up with skateboarding and I bought last year two skateboards because I want to skate again. So uh, this is again childhood in Germany. When, when I grew up, they built new autobahn, there was asphalt. So when the streets are empty, my natural response is, oh, let's take a skateboard. <laughs> I was going to ask you, was that done on a skateboard? Because it looks so seamless, you know? Yeah, so this is not the master plan. It was just like uh, everything natural. It was natural. I said, I wanted to get a, the best iPhone. So just two days, you really have to imagine, two days before shutdown, I went to my T-Mobile shop and they just got what I had ordered. I bought a, an iPhone 11 Pro Max. Biggest that there is. I got a new DJI gimbal. And so I saw it as an adventure. And it's for me, I'm aware and I don't think we have to justify that it is a tragedy. All the people that died that are sick. But I one of the first things that I shot was in Times Square. On a Saturday night, I waited until there was rain. 
And there were like homeless people because they didn't know where to go. There were cops there who were, by the way, very nice. Never did anything or said anything to me because I was like doing the same run like 20 times <laughs> in the beginning. And there were like, I'm not exaggerating, there were maybe 50 people in Times Square. It was like Vanilla Sky, the scene with Tom Cruise. It was really empty. Very yeah. surreal and very epic. And just to experience that and shooting that video was a trip. It was like amazing. And so I continued doing that as I was skateboarding through New York City and suddenly I got contacted and, and would put these things on social media. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, I, I really for the fun of it, right, for, for the visual fun of it. And then I got contacted by a media agency, basically a middleman, and they said, hey, we want to we market your, your videos. So I said, okay. So we cut a deal, and then they they sent out an email, and they asked me, "Can we do this and use this for marketing?" I said, "Yeah, please, but put my name in there." A week later, I got a text from my friend Rocco, my spying partner, and he's like, "Tosten, you're on ABC News." So <laughs> one one of these videos that I shot uh, on Thirty Fourth Street made it actually to the local midday news. I got paid for it like months later, but uh, by, by the agency it was great. And um, I worked as a photojournalist during my college time. I was aware that it had a sh- short shelf life, right? Mm-hmm. So I did yeah. this all together like two and a half, three weeks. And I would want to feed them more videos, but they said, no, we are, now we are, the next story was when they buried the people up in the park. I don't know, it was like uptown. So they moved to the next thing and there were a lot of copycats. I was like really surprised when I went in the streets and I was very careful, social distancing and protection. Mm-hmm. I was expecting tons of skateboarders and I was the only one. <laughs> it, it was, it was surreal. You know, so... It had a good resonance, even overseas in Paris. I know that from friends, I saw it. And so it was a fun thing to do, you know, it was really good. At the same time, I was restructuring my company because I saw the crisis from the very beginning as an opportunity to change. It's evolution, right? You can resist or and fail, or you can take it and ask yourself, okay, what do I have to change? So I already, since last last year, I have a second company, Studios 594, that is specialized in corporate work. So that is not as sexy as the stuff that I usually shoot, right? Fashion, uh, lifestyle, street uh, streetwear, and so on. But this is like uh, very consistent work. So this is like working for big companies, shooting portraits, uh, annual reports, and so on and so on. And I made a point at the beginning, I had several conversations with different people, but I did the brainstorming basically by myself. Um, Who will survive this economically? And the answer was very clear, the big corporate companies, because the crisis was already there before. Okay, so the the economically, I'm just talking, I'm not talking about human tragedy. I'm just talking about the economic crisis right now. If you see, it just accelerated what the developments that were already in play. 
retail was already screwed. It's just like, yeah, it is. That's the way it is. I mean, I worked for the retail industry since 2005 or so, you know, shooting for them. And I've seen it, how the budgets dropped and dropped and dropped. And now we are there. Lord and Taylor bankruptcy, Neiman Marcus bankruptcy. Neiman Marcus just opened last year, I believe, over in the Hudson Yard, a tremendous new store. They just closed it like two or three months ago. And you see also, I knew the, I know the, the former fashion director of Neiman Marcus. You see, this is something that is really under the surface. Uh, I've seen it also in the publishing industry, big publishing houses. You see people who have high salaries and the industry is transforming and the people get fired, to be honest, because they hire somebody younger who could just cost like 30% of the salary. And these are people who worked for these companies for 15, 20 years, you know? So at the end, the numbers talk and everybody has to get around this. It's uh, nobody can ignore this. But I hope I don't bring down the party, but I'm I'm just telling you the truth. (laughs) Also, what is the next as far as what you're, I know that you have your, boxing portfolio that you've put up on your new websites what is after that for you uh right now i'm i'm writing a book that will be potentially a script a new york experience a lot of very intense funny stories i am giving the last touches which still will take a little bit uh of, of the the jazz portfolio because you have to understand this is really old school stuff Right, these are silver prints. Uh, they need to be retouched before they can uh, go to the museum. At the same time, I want to sell the limited editions to some art collections, and so I'm uh, reaching out to particularly to banks, insurance companies, because they have the means to and they have the collections, and I think it deserves to be in, in these collections. So I'm I'm networking a lot. In the fashion industry, which is right now pretty pretty low, but particularly in the corporate world, I'm also thinking doing a documentary with the footage that I've done with the skateboard and the video. But the most important thing is is discipline. In these times, we have to create structures for ourselves, and really, every day is is a challenge, right? But because like everybody can be replaced, you can be as unique as you want. You know, you have to be at the table. And you have to prove that your work is necessary, and you know, and uh, yeah. So it is. It's a little bit like a like a boxing fight, you know. <laughs> well, you are prepared, right? <laughs> well, I, I, you know, no, I'm reconditioning myself right now because I have to admit the boxing gym was closed like for basically six months. So I was running a lot, but like last five weeks, I was just like uh, reconditioning myself and eat very healthy and just keep a good mindset you know that's it's important yeah well i appreciate all of your words of wisdom i'm going to make sure that we add all of your website links on the show notes of course and if you want to listen to a little bit more of our chat and discussion today uh, we do have a little bit more on extra bite so check it out for sure
Thank you so much. You have been so lovely to talk with today. And I just know that people will definitely take away so much from hearing your stories and really understanding that making it in this business is all about reinvention, it sounds like, and re-upping your game, even when times are, are tough. So I really appreciate you. Oh, thank you. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. So I want to tell this story. Um, somebody asked me the other day, where's the most extreme place that you've ever performed at? And I actually was like, hmm, you know, I talked about in the premiere episode how I go-go danced in, in a cage <laughs> in Las Vegas at the Rum Jungle nightclub at Mandalay Bay Hotel and Casino. That would be one. But I think the second one that was probably the most just bizarre place, but really cool, was an experience I had working as a dancer. And I performed as part of the Victoria's Secret fashion show. And the music artist was Justin Timberlake. And he was bringing sexy back. And the auditions were insane. There were girls there scantily clad because we were asked to come hot, sexy, and ready to dance. I think that was what my agent told me. <laughs> and that's kind of like the typical sexy dancer lingo for, for every audition. But for this particular one, I was super excited. I was like, oh, Victoria's Secret fashion show? Mm, okay, I we have arrived. <laughs> and literally when we arrived, I was put into the, I think it was the third level. It was the top level of these boxes. And it, Justin Timberlake was singing his sexy back song and the models were walking down the runway and us ladies, we were dancing in our boxes high above, you know, all of the audience. And the video I will post in the show show notes so you can take a look, but we were dancing for, I think it was like three to five minutes. I mean, we were going, we were goddesses. That was, that was probably the most beautiful and sexy and just vibe that we were all giving off. We were glowing up there. <laughs> we were angels. And it was so much fun. I was in a box next to Eve Torres Gracie. Um, you may know her as the WWE superstar, diva superstar. But at the time, we were all just like giddy that we were dancing to this song and that it was Justin Timberlake. And we get up there we realize very quickly that there's no glass. There's there's nothing in front of us and there's nothing behind us. <laughs> and we were like, well, I guess, you know, don't fall, um, you know, out out of the, the box. Make sure you do your, your dancing in your heels and, and don't have a misstep at all. But it was so much fun. And he was very gracious enough to take a picture with all of us backstage. It was really fun. And I hope you get a chance to watch that particular performance because you'll see, you'll see the boxes and how high we were just, you know, living, living for the gods in our heels and pretty much just bra and panties. <laughs> so I hope you enjoy that. And that's my story for this episode. Just know that when you are doing anything in life, do it full out. We were full out in those boxes. And it's one of the most extreme. And I say extreme, not because I was like on a mountaintop, you know, dangling from a helicopter like a Tom Cruise or anything, but I certainly did feel the danger. <laughs> and who, who knew that Victoria's Secret Fashion Show could be dangerous? <laughs> 
I think we did have an AFTRA representative at the time come by and make sure that we wouldn't die. <laughs> so, so that's good. But, you know, my moral to the story is just live, live, live in your heels, your bra and panties, and make sure that you always do everything full out. Because even if you go out, you're going out on the Victoria's Secret fashion show. <laughs> so that that is my moral of the story. Just live, just live. <laughs> Are you looking for a webinar platform that really has your back? For me, I do a lot of webinars and I do a lot of lecturing and speaking and, and I really feel like I need something that's simple. I don't need something that's complicated. I want something that's able to take my message, distribute it, have a live option, but also be able to automate. For me, Webinar Ninja does the trick and I definitely highly recommend it for you too. So if you're looking for a webinar platform, check out Webinar Ninja on my software solutions page. Just go to www.sandracoltonmedici.com forward slash software dash solutions. As always, one of my favorite parts of every episode is Extra Bite. And so if you go to my blog, go to www.sandracoltamedici.com forward slash blog, you will find a new artist. Her name is Dreamon, and she has some brand new music dropping this December. And of course, I have to talk about dessert. So one of my favorite desserts is the Pazuki from BJ's Restaurant and Brew House. So if you go to my website, you will find my version of my kind of homemade version of a pazuki. It's it's easy for me to make and hopefully my directions are pretty easy for you as well. Um, but there's always a sweet reward on the extra bite. So if you make it, tag me, Dr. Sandra Colton Medici and also extra bite and sweet bites with Sandra. Tag those on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, wherever you live, tag me so that I know that you've um, seen the extra bite and that you're entering to win a $25 e-gift card over to BJ's. I love, love, love what they do. And so this is my my version, <laughs> my home version, since we're all inside and need a little extra, you know, fun, a little fun sugar in our life. <laughs> Also, I have a very special interview with a brand new business owner of Baked and Wrapped for You. So check that out on Extra Bite as well. That's what I have for you this episode. So head on over to Extra Bite and enter to win that gift card. And you know what? I'll see you next time. You're listening to Sweet Bites with Sandra with your host, Dr. Sandra Colton Medici. Follow on Instagram at Sweet Bites with Sandra and Dr. Sandra Colton Medici. You can also join our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Sweet Bites with Sandra. If you would like to sponsor an episode of Sweet Bites with Sandra, make sure to send an email to info at sandracoltonmedici.com, including the subject line, be a sponsor.